I'm going to talk to you a little while this morning. Brother Larry, would you come and pray over the Word of God? You are an honorable man, and you honor God's Word, and you're a man of the Scripture and teacher of the Bible. I'd just like you to come and pray over God's Word today and ask God to let it find a place within us, deep, deep within our hearts, so it can bring forth fruit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glad you're here today. Glad Praise the balance, Lord. God bless everybody. Giving honor to the Spirit of the Lord and to the pastor of this great church. God is good. He's good. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. For you and you alone have brought us out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. And Father, as pastors began to break bread, we pray that it would fall on ears that are anointed to hear And hearts that are open to hear the word of the Lord. God, when we get this word, may we put it to work. Let's not let to be a hearer, but a doer of the word. God, we want to give you honor. We want to give you glory. We bind every spirit that will come against the word of God. For God, we know that in you, we have life. And God, as he break this bread this morning, let the life of God destroy every yoke in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Another one of those prayers big enough for God to be glorified in the answer today. I want to talk to you about an ongoing theme in my heart. And and, uh, it's just a, a part of something that's deep inside me that I want to share with you as a pastor and as a person. Not just as your pastor with the responsibility to bring the word, but as a person who has found an oasis in a desert. And I'm quenching my thirst. (laughs) And I found the bread of life and I'm eating to my fill today. And I want to share it with you today. Praise God. Amen. I want to talk to you about a subject that we have went into before. We want to go another step deeper into it. God brings us back to these things because we don't complete them. We just stop somewhere. I want to talk to you today about living in the now of your salvation. Everybody say that was then. This is now. Now, we got several new people here today that have not heard some of my old Things that I say to preface a particular thing that the Word of God says. You've heard this story a thousand times. Larry hasn't heard it at all. So I get to tell it again for his sake. So bear with me. Everybody say, right now. Okay. Yeah, see, they know. They know already. Punchline is gone. No. Two men. Desperate for work, needed work, out of work. They're going to cut their lights. They don't have money for gasoline. They're both filling out job applications at a plant that's opened up to hire new people. One man looks over at the other and says, how do you spell rat? He said, R-A-T, why? He said, because it says, when can you start work? And I'm going to put down rat now. Can you say amen? And that's why some of them said rat now. Right now. If you are a Christian, right now. And I want to give you a scripture because if I don't, I'll take off preaching. And and I want to give you a foundational scripture. There's a lot of them, but I want to give you one in particular today. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. It begins with now. If you're a Christian, now. 
Now, therefore, now, here and now. This is the day and the moment you get saved and every moment you live saved. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Everybody say, now. now. On our website, there's a beautiful scripture to pictures, and, and we get so many comments, and, and uh, our, our anointed webmaster and web minister, Brother Doug, does a wonderful, wonderful job of putting the scriptures to pictures, and you need to go there sometime and just peruse that. But one of them is that, that, that we, we look through a glass darkly, but then we're going to see him face to face. We don't see everything in the future. Right here and now. When we have Holy Communion, we look back to the cross. We look forward to His coming. We remember what He did on the cross and we show His death till He come. We look forward to the cross. But in the middle, between looking back and looking forward, we're living in the now. And God wants us to know what we have and what we possess and who we are in relation to Him in the now. Now. Now we are the sons of God. Amen? Amen. Now, here and now, this very present moment, we're not trying to earn that. We're not going to evolve into that. There's no process toward that right now. Now, you are the sons of God. What? Know you not? Don't you understand that? He said to the congregation, don't you get it yet? When I first got saved, you had to earn everything from God. Everything, you had to earn it all. And if you didn't earn it, you couldn't expect Him to grant you anything. Even earn it by building your faith to that point. Oh, it's amazing how God talks about faith. He talks about it in a different way. He looks at it in a different perspective. Only two times in the New Testament did Jesus tell people they had great faith. Only twice. Only twice. And it's amazing how we look at what great faith. We see someone driving a Bentley and living in a mansion, they must have great faith. In fact, as I heard a preacher say the other day, uh, that he started out with Volkswagen faith. It sounds good to the ear. You know, I started out with Volkswagen faith, and then I built my faith to, I, I believe, he, I don't think he jumped to Cadillac that quick took a little while to get Cadillac, started out with Volkswagen faith, and then, then he got Ford Explorer faith or whatever, and then he got Cadillac faith, and then he got Bentley faith, and then he got Rolls-Royce faith. And he said, now my faith is at a point that, uh, that I could, there's no, in other words, there's no car expensive enough, exclusive enough to represent my faith. Now I, can, I could have an auto company Custom make me an automobile if I chose to. So faith was always was presented as faith to possess things, and things represent how much faith I have. And, and if you don't have the faith, and I'm going to tell you, if you don't drive a big car, then you automatically are judged that you must not have very much faith. If you don't live in a mansion, then you need to build your faith. And when Jesus talked about faith, he talked about it differently. One thing he said that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. And when you're looking through the lens of the flesh, you see abundance as things. But Jesus also said to balance that, 
A man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. So you can't hold up your possessions as an emblem of your faith. You have to do something more than that. We're not talking about the kingdom of this world and the way it judges and values things. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is always going to be in conflict with the kingdom of this world. Amen? That's why Jesus came to be born in a manger. He rebuked the world value system in His birth and and in everything He did and everything He said. In fact, He said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, I'd be thinking about myself. I wouldn't be thinking about you. I wouldn't go to the cross to die for a bunch of people that, that'll turn on you, <laughs> turn against you, want Barabbas to be set free instead of me. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to the cross for people like that. I'm not going to lay down my life and make no mistake about it. He was not a victim of Caesar's Rome nor Pilate's rule. He was not a victim of those guards that guarded him. Peter pulled his sword when they came to take him and swung at a man's head. The man, of course, dodged and he just cut his ear off and it fell to the ground. And Jesus said, put up your sword. If my kingdom were of this world, I'd call the armies of heaven. Amen. And I I wouldn't have to deal with all of this. But you see, salvation wouldn't have occurred if he hadn't went through with what he committed to go through with. If his kingdom was of this world, he would have thought of himself. When he indicated to his disciples that he was going to be given over to those that the disciples knew wanted to do him harm, they said, Lord, Peter said in particular, Lord, be it far from thee. It connotated in the Greek, actually, Lord, think of yourself. You're not thinking of yourself and your safety. I'm so glad when he was on the cross, we were on his mind. I'm so glad that God loved the world enough to give his son. I'm so glad the son loved us enough to give his life. And I don't mean a quick Almost painless death. I'm talking about a very painful death on the cross. I'm glad that He loved us to that degree. Because it wasn't the nails indeed that held Jesus to the cross. They couldn't. It wasn't Caesar's Rome that put Him there. They couldn't. Amen. It was His love for you and His love for me. In fact, the Bible goes on to say if the princes of this world, and we're not talking about political powers now, We're talking about the the prince of darkness, the rulers of the darkness of this world, the powers and principalities. If the princes of this world had known God's salvation plan, make no mistake about it, the Bible said they would have never. They would have never. Every force in hell that was moving for him to be killed would have stood to defend him. Don't put him on that cross. Don't shed one drop of his blood. You know why? Because they found out later, amen, on the third day, when hell couldn't hold him, can you say, man, the devil couldn't defeat him? When God said, I will not suffer my Holy One to see corruption, hallelujah, on the third day, they found out that God's plan was different from anything the world could possibly conceive. How can this man hanging there in agony and dying on the cross save the world that will look to him? If the princes of this world had known 
Not the political powers, but the powers and principalities. If they had known, if they had only known God's plan. Nobody knew it. The disciples didn't know it. The devil didn't know it. But on the third day, they found out. It's Friday. But Sunday was coming. Can you say amen? Glory to God. They would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Never, never crucified the Lord of glory. But they, they beat Him and they hurt Him and they spilt His blood. Let me talk to you about this person a little while. This faith in a, this person that God hath highly exalted. I, I'm so glad that I know him today. Brother Sean, I'm glad when, when, when I am weak, he's still strong. When, I, when, when my faith shakes and wavers, and sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. I'm so glad that I have an anchor that is sure and steadfast for my soul. And it's not faith in my faith. It's faith in His faithfulness. It's trust in His, His loving kindness. Someone asked me one time, what's the difference between kindness and loving kindness? Kindness is giving a hungry man a peanut butter sandwich. Loving kindness is putting peanut butter and jelly on it. Can you say, man? God goes beyond just loving you. He loves you with a lavish love. And the people that came to Him with a humble dependence on His mercy, His grace, His love, and His power, He honored them by saying, Great is thy faith. So if we're going to define great faith, we need to do it the way God did it. The centurion came to Jesus and said, I've got a servant at home and I love him like a son. And Jesus, in his mercy and grace, said, I will come and heal him. If you have any doubt that the Lord wants to help you and heal you, deliver you. Everywhere that people came to him in this great faith, he responded to in a positive, powerful way. I will come and heal him. Centurion had fought in the legions of Rome. Centurion means that he was a captain over a hundred men. He knew that he had shed blood and murdered and killed for political reasons because he was a commander of a hundred men in the legions of Rome. So he said to Jesus, I'm not worthy, recognizing his holiness, I'm not worthy that you should come under... Now this is an amazing way to approach God with humble dependency. There's a boldness in it because we trust that he's a merciful and gracious God, but this is not the way that prideful people want to hold on to their pride and approach God. God resists the proud. Even if you're proud of your faith. Remember the man that won the pin? They gave him a pin for being the most humble person in the congregation. He wore it to church the next Sunday and they took it away from him. Because when you're proud of your humility, you're not humble anymore. If you want to talk about your great faith... You and I can't have much of a conversation for very long. Amen. 
If you want to talk about His faithfulness, we can talk all day and all night. Can you say amen? Amen? Because pride will rise up even over in the spiritual dimension because in our flesh, intrinsic to it, is the pride of life. And pride wants to express itself. If you want to tell me how holy you are, we can't have much of a conversation. If you want to tell me how much you need God and His help and His grace in your life, we can talk all night long. Praise God. Listen to, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about somebody you love on television. I'm not talking about somebody that's got a lot of people following them. If the blind lead the blind, it don't matter how many people follow the blind man. That don't confirm anybody one way or the other. I want to follow somebody that's following Jesus. And this is the Jesus I'm talking about. And this is the way he looks at things. I will come and heal him. He said, I'm not worthy that you should come under the roof of my house. But I'm a man under authority. And I say to the men under me, go, and they go, and I tell them to come, and they come. You know why he had authority? Not because it was just given him, but because he was under authority. Anybody here been in the military? If you want to go up in rank, do you have to obey orders? Or do they just pin stuff on you? Random, willy-nilly. No, no way. You're going to have to obey orders if you're going to give orders. And if you can't take orders, believe me, you'll, you'll be peeling spuds and you'll never get out of private first class. Can you say amen? But if you obey orders, if you obey orders, one of these days you're going to be given orders. I'm a man under authority. You don't have to come to my house. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus said, does anybody see humble dependency here? Do you see humility here? Do you see an understanding of how authority works from a man who knew how it worked and could transfer that over into the spiritual? And Jesus said, I have not found faith like this. No, not in all of Israel. None of his disciples had figured it out fully yet. But this centurion got it. And he honored him by talking about his great faith. A woman comes to Jesus. She's Syrophoenician. She's not of the Jewish lineage. She has no claim at that point on the covenant that God made with Abraham. She said, my daughter is home vexed of a devil. And Jesus um, initially resisted because she had no right in terms of claiming the covenant. And he said, it's not meat. It's not appropriate to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Instead of being insulted and walking away, she worshipped him saying, True Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Oh, come on. What a rebuke to the prideful attitude of so many Christians today that want to define great faith by great persons and great power and great influence and, and great this and great that and great possessions. 
And here's a woman that's expressing humble dependency. And he says, great is thy faith. Go thy way. It's done for you. As your faith be, so be it unto you. Go your way. And her daughter was healed. Self-same hour. The moment he spoke it. She spoke the word. Therefore, everybody say great faith. Great faith. Great faith. Great faith. Amen. Paul tried to get it across to us. He said, I prayed three times that, that these things that would put me in that state of humble dependency would be taken from me. There was an emissary from hell, he said. Emissary means a special agent. Sent to do one thing. Don't mess with nobody but the Apostle Paul. Sent to buffet me. Everywhere I turned, there was trouble. Bonds and afflictions awaited him in Jerusalem. All kind. He gets on a boat, the boat sinks. He makes it to land, he gets snake bit. Everywhere he turned, a bunch of people said, we won't eat or drink until he's dead. And they put him over the wall in a basket. He was beaten with rods three times. What's wrong with his faith? Wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. What's his problem? Didn't he buy that tape? Hasn't he read that book? Don't he know his authority? Amen. What's wrong with him? He was given 39 stripes. You know why 39 was the limit? Because past 39, people would go into shock and die. And this wasn't meant to be corporal punishment. This was meant to beat you within literally an inch of your life. And on five occasions, he was given 39 stripes, 40 stripes save one, 39 stripes of the Jews. I was beaten with rods on three occasions. I was shipwrecked on three occasions. One of them is in the book of Acts 27. The rest of them he doesn't go into. I was stoned and left for dead. That meant they had stoned him until he was unconscious and they assumed he was dead. And whether God raised him from the dead or they, God just healed him from the stone, whatever happened, he went on preaching the gospel without malice. He went on preaching with a sweet spirit. But he had enough trouble to pray that he wouldn't have no more. Can you say amen? Amen. I besought the Lord three times. That he would deliver me from the trouble that this buffeting spirit is causing. And he didn't get it yet. That humble dependency, God calls great faith. Now see, in our pride, we want to take credit for that. Look what my faith did. No, your faith didn't do. Does anybody remember the first American? I don't, so don't feel bad. First American to climb Mount Everest and plant the American flag. He planted the flag, first American to climb Everest. And it was in National Geographic magazine. And you know how he got to the peak of Mount Everest? There was a Serpa 
guide, one of those guides, one of those people indigenous to that region that could breathe the air, that knew the trails. The American climber gave out in the thin air and the steepness and the cold. But his Serpa guide that was guiding him went to the summit, reached down and grabbed the rope, and pulled the American up. And the American did reach the summit. And he got the credit for it. His name is in the book. But the guy that pulled him up, you've never heard of and never will hear of. But he knows, and history knows, that he didn't get there by himself. Somebody pulled him up. He did get there. Hallelujah. You can get there. But you can't get there by yourself. Somebody's going to have to pull you up. Can you say amen? And I love what David said. I got out of that pit. But I didn't climb out. I didn't claw my way out. I didn't jump out. When I got so happy in Jesus, I just jumped out. Can you say amen? He lifted me from the miry clay. He put my feet upon a rock. And He put a song in my heart. Can you say amen? Oh, if we could get the pride out of Christianity. If we could get back to humble dependency so God could use His power in our behalf because we have great faith. Some of us feel too small and too weak. Some people think, and I don't blame you. I don't know if I have a gift of faith or not. I may have, I may not have. But whether I, I don't need a gift of faith to trust God. I don't need a spiritual gift to trust Him. I need a revelation of who He is. And how much He loves me. And who I am in Him. In Romans 7... Do you get this great faith thing? Paul said, I besought the Lord thrice to take this from me. And there's no answer. And finally, God answered him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is perfected in weakness. Therefore, he said, if that's how it works, I'm going to quit griping about my trouble. I'm going to take pleasure in necessities and persecutions. Because when I'm weak, what? What? When I'm weak? Just for you, Larry. Another story. Muhammad Ali, do you remember him? Cassius Clay first, then Muhammad Ali. I don't know how old you are. I don't know if you'll get this one. Do you remember the thriller in Manila? He's on a plane to the Philippines to fight for the title with Joe Frazier. He gets on the plane. He's comfortable. There's a 93-pound Filipino stewardess. They're getting ready to take off. Ding, ding. The lights go on, and what did they say? Fasten your seatbelt. She's walking, doing her job, looking. Has everybody got their seatbelt on? When she comes to Ali, she says, buckle up, champ. And he says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she says, Superman don't need no airplane either. 
<laughs> and the champ buckled up. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. God don't want you to be a superman or a superwoman. He wants you to be super dependent on His grace, His mercy, His love, His power, His strength. So when the victory comes, you're not like the man who gave no credit to the man that pulled him up. Amen. Hallelujah. You give the credit to where credit is due. The honor to where honor is due. You don't touch His glory. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Brother Venable, what did you do when you were laying there flat on your back and you couldn't move and you couldn't hardly speak and you couldn't hardly breathe? I rested. I rested myself upon the one who said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Brother Venable, did you bind the devil? Didn't have to. Hallelujah. My shield of faith is not my force of faith. Amen. David put it this way. Lord, Thou has been a shield for me. My glory and the lifter of my head. It's You. You're my defender. Can you say amen? You're my deliverer. You're my shield, my buckler, my rock. Hallelujah. Thou, O Lord... Or the shield about me doesn't mean I don't use my faith, but my faith is in His faithfulness, His promise to defend me, His promise to never leave me nor forsake me. And when my faith shakes, His faithfulness is intact. And that's the anchor that is sure and steadfast for the soul. And when the peace of God comes and sweeps over you, I was so glad. I never bought into the message of building your faith to receive. And if you can't build it high enough and tall enough, God is not going to do anything for you. And everyone that struggles and everyone that goes through weak times is disqualified. That is not your heavenly Father. That is not Jesus Christ. That is not a kingdom view at all. That's the worldview. You know why Trump is doing so well in politics? He keeps pulling millions out and throwing it in on top of other things. But he's a billionaire. He wouldn't be there at all if he wasn't a billionaire. You take the billions from him, he would have never been even in the running. (laughs) My son corresponds with a guy in the United Kingdom in England and they make music together and put it up on this particular music so he sends something to him, he puts his track on and they send it back and forth and you get about four people, one in Africa, one in England, one here in Florida which is my son and, and they uh, you know they're, uh, they got this music going and it's a pretty big deal all over the world and this man wrote my son and thanked him for putting a guitar track on, on his uh, keyboard track and somebody else going to do the vocal track and he sent him and said and thank you very much for for working with us and thank you for your talent and expertise by the way at the bottom good luck with trump <laughs> all the way from england <laughs> good luck with trump <laughs> so so power prestige the pride of life Look what my faith has done. 
And if you will build your faith as high as I built my faith, then you can have anything you say just like I have anything I say. Humble dependency is gone. Pride has replaced it. You see, when you look through the lens of the flesh, you see abundant life as things and possessions. When you understand the kingdom of God, you know the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not something to indulge yourself with. But it's righteousness. It's peace. You can't buy that peace if you're a gazillionaire. Amen. And it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's that relationship with Christ. That, that, that is that wonderful, powerful intimacy with God. There's nothing like it in all the way. He can go with you where no one in, else in the world can go with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And that presence, Brother Taylor, I wouldn't trade what happened to me, what God did for me. Somebody was with me. I like that old camp meeting song, I have somebody with me to share my heavy load. I feel His presence near me every day. Though trouble overtakes me on life's weary road, I have somebody with me all the way. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. I'm so glad He is the comforter. I'm so glad that He's one specifically called alongside to help can you say man since he's here to help me i'm not going to try to just help myself walk on my own i'm going to lean on him one quartet singer he had throat cancer threatened to lose his voice and his life and as he lay in the hospital bed, a song kept coming to him. And as he prayed, he began to sing that song. Something he had never done in his entire Christian life fully. I'm learning to lean. I'm learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I ever dreamed. What? This is the source of it. This is where it occurs. This is where it, when I am weak and I express humble dependency, that's when the powers really. Oh, I thought I was supposed to claim it, bless God. I heard a guy say one day, and I'm back to this all liars thing. I never have a bad day. I thought, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Where do you live? You must live out west somewhere. On the range. You know the song. And what's next? Seldom is heard. A discouraging word. There you go. I want to move out west, Brother Hobbs. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I, I want to find a place where... There's no lightning. There's no thunder. There's no tenatic activity. There's no storms in life. I want to find the home on the range. I used to listen to the what WTMP. Remember that station? Rhythm and Blues. I couldn't get it over on the white station. I had to go over here to WTMP where I could get it. They had a DJ on there. He was a case. He said, I got, a, I got several rolls, but every roll is a jelly roll. So he was a big man, but he, he was a good DJ. I like to hear him. 
He used to say, get off the stove, Grandma. You're too old. You're too old to be riding the range. There's no home on the range. There's no place to go except to Christ. Amen. He said, in this world, how many are in this world? Come on, you got your feet on the ground in this world. You haven't ascended yet. And you haven't transcended your body yet. You're living in a fallen body. I'm faulty body. Oh yeah, it's faulty. I hate to break this to you. You don't look like you did 20 years ago. Amen. My wife is turning 67. and Guess what she put up on her Facebook? A picture of her when she was six. And it's a pretty picture. She got about 37 likes on that. Amen. We all got pictures, don't we? Praise God. This body is faulty. But one day corruptible is going to put on corruption. And mortal is going to put on immortality. But this is a faulty body. That's why we need divine healing in the church. Because we need help from above. Amen. We're not supermen and women. We're super dependent on His love, grace, His mercy, His power, His strength. And when we're delivered and when we're healed, He gets the glory. Hallelujah. He should get the glory. He's a shield for me. He's my glory. And He is the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. Guy went into a Christian bookstore and he's one of these guys that never confesses he has a problem because that's going to create the problem. And, and I call it ostrich faith. You know what an ostrich does when he's threatened? There's a lion in the area. He says, oh, a lion. Oh, oh. Soft sand. You know what he'll do in the soft sand? He'll dig a hole and stick his head in it. And then he says, what lion? Till the lion takes a chunk out of his behind. Can you say amen? And I'll bet you at that point, even with his head in the ground, he's going to acknowledge, I've been bit by a lion. Can you say amen? That's the real reality of it. Ostrich faith says, if I don't ever confess I have a problem, I will never have a problem. That's Eastern psychology. That's part of an Eastern religious cult. Don't incorporate that into the Christian faith. Want to hear what Paul said? Would you like to? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Well, that's a statement in itself, isn't it? With a woman in the church, two men always after her to get married, pestering her every time she comes to church. She said, I got a scripture I'd like to share, Pastor, with two men in this church, and you know who you are. I would not have you ignorant, brethren. She didn't quote it right because it actually reads, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. But listen to what Paul said. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. I'm going to be forthright. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Amen. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the trouble that we experienced in Asia. How that we were pressed beyond measure. Everybody, listen, you've got a breaking point without the grace of God. Oh, yeah, you got a breaking point. You got a big bumper sticker that says, Jesus is the answer until somebody cuts you off in traffic. You got a breaking point. You got a temper. 
Don't tell me you don't. You see, Mama on the way to church, oh, there's three kids in the back and they're going nuts. Crazy. Oh, they're, her last nerve has just got on. She's saying, Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, I worship you. I thank you, Lord. You're so wonderful. You know, two-year-old is biting the four-year-old and the five-year-old is hitting the three-year-old. Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I just want to praise you today. Amen. Come on, this is real life. You heard the story of the wife that came in. She said, honey, get up to her husband. Kids are ready. I'm ready. Let's go to church. He said, I don't feel like going today. She said, well, come on. We need to go to church. It's Sunday. It's we, we're Christians. We go worship God on Sunday. Come on. He said, then people down there won't care if I show up or not. He said, well, it's not just about the people down there. It's about God up here. Come on. Let's get up and go to church. And he said, I just don't feel like it today. She said, well, you need to go whether you feel like it or not. Besides, you're the pastor. <laughs> Did you know pastors don't always feel like preaching? Did you know pastors don't always get up with the victory that they exude when they stand behind a pulpit? He and I worked at Superbrand. It'll try you. <laughs> I thought about, I was in blow mold for my last three years or four years. We were going to get t-shirts. I know I'm going to heaven. I've already been to blow mold. <laughs> Nobody wanted to work there. Nobody wanted to work in there. Amen. Nobody. One night I kicked over a, a tub that you put bottles in. It's a gray, big gray container. And I just, I don't know, I couldn't contain it anymore. I kicked it over. Like Bruce Lee. <laughs> kicked it over. In my case, it was bruised knee. <laughs> I didn't hurt the container, but I hurt myself, and I let myself down. Well, kicking the container is better than kicking somebody. Amen? Be angry and sin not. I don't think it's a sin to kick the container. But it let me know that I still had a temper. I couldn't deny it after that thing fell on the floor, and I had to pick the balls up and put it back in. Went off with... <laughs> When you get over 50, you just don't do a lot of kicking like that anymore. And if you do, you don't kick that high. I shouldn't have even shown you how high I kicked. Amen. But God is good, Brother Taylor. And He let me keep my testimony. Somebody consoled me. And they said, I said, you know, I'm sorry. I just, I don't know. I just, today I'm tired, I'm wore out. And it just got to me. And he said, well, you're just human. In other words, give yourself permission to be human. I said, yes, I am human, but I'm Christian too. <laughs> and I want, a, I want a testimony. I want to win this thing. But I can't do it by being a super person. I've got to be super dependent on God and His grace. Amen. Humble dependency is what Christ called great faith. And I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. And the Apostle Paul said, you know something? Now I understand why he doesn't just take all my problems and pressures away. 
He says, in fact, I understand it so well that when these things give me a sense of my weakness and I depend wholeheartedly on Him and His grace. He said, at that point, I am made strong. That's when He infuses that strength into us. And we find and make a discovery that until you come to that point, you'll never discover that His grace is sufficient and His strength is perfected in weakness. This is me and not the Lord as we close. I believe that Samson didn't look like he was portrayed in Scripture. I do not believe that he looked like Arnold. I believe he was a little, frail Jew. Because, see, God gets the glory when he uses people that you've got to give God the credit for what happened. I believe he looked like Woody Allen. It wouldn't surprise me at all when I get to heaven and I, I see some bodybuilders up there and walking around, you know. <laughs> Can you stand up? I just want to see. Uh, I want to show you what most people think Samson was. <laughs> this guy can bench press a Buick. He, he is a power lifter. Amen. And he got the arms and chest to prove it. Amen. This t-shirt's just about to split right down there and we're going to see. But we're praying that it stay on him through the service. I could, I could understand if I see somebody like that. But the Bible said the only reason Samson had anything is because he was a Nazarite unto God set apart to defend Israel from his mother's womb. And nothing happened until the Spirit, nothing happened. I said nothing happened till the Spirit of the Lord came on him. But when the Spirit of the Lord came on him, he didn't need muscles. He didn't need pectorals. He didn't need trapezoids. He didn't need big glutes. Can you say man? Hallelujah. All he needed was the Spirit of God to come on him. And, and when is God's Spirit going to be most evident? One translation of what Paul said, when I'm weak, then am I made strong as God's power shows up best in weak people. Amen. Hallelujah. How in the world can God use her? How in the world can God use him? That's exactly right. It has nothing to do with the world. Everything to do with the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let, let not the mighty man glory in his strength. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Hallelujah. Let nobody boast in any of those things. But he that glorieth, let him glory in this. Let not the rich man glory in his wealth. But he that glory, he that boasts, there's something you can boast in. And not be proud. There's something you can boast in and not be wrong with God. Let him Boast in this, let him glory in this, that he knows me, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. They'll be steadfast and take action. Wow. The book of Acts is not a bunch of super Christian men. The book of Acts is men have discovered that when they truly holy depend on god he infuses his grace and his strength into them 
So this bandy rooster, proud filled world view of what God honors. We got to get rid of that. And we got to listen to Jesus again. You said, but what about Brother So-and-so? Look what he's accomplished. I'm not talking about his accomplishments. I'm talking about who he knows. And if he's on top, somebody pulled him up. He didn't get there by his faith alone and apart from God. This is the subversion that Satan is bringing. Build your faith until you have such confidence in yourself and your faith that you never have a bad day. That you're never weak enough to have to just cry out to God for mercy. So this guy's in a Christian bookstore. He told the story himself. But it backfired as far as I'm concerned. I didn't buy it. He said, I was in there and he said, boy, I had the flu. I had blow on my nose. I had the, I, I had the bad Mother of all head colds on top of that. He said, I was, I was in a Christian bookstore, though. I just kept on going. And I started coughing. And everybody looked at me. Because, see, once you establish that you're Superman, you ain't supposed to have no cold. Once you preach and teach and establish yourself as having such, and, and once you get into this confession thing to the point that it's not confessing God's word, it's just confessing you ain't got no trouble, and no trouble going to come. devil laughs himself silly. So he coughed and he said, I felt self-conscious because everybody looked at me because he's supposed to, he ain't supposed to be coughing. So he said, he said out loud so everybody could hear him. I'm being healed of a cold. Well, that's not a bad confession. But you shouldn't be intimidated to admit your humanity. Everybody knows you're human that knows you. It's only the people that only see you on the platform that think you're something more than you are. How many married people we got here? Your wife knows you. She knows you like nobody else knows you. And you can fool us, but I bet you can't fool her. I'm going to tell you something about people on the job. They know you too. They know you. They work with you. They see you kick the tub over. Come on. Amen. They know me. They love me anyway. They cut me slack. They gave me grace. They know I wasn't going to jump on nobody. Number one, I'm too little. Number two, I'm a Christian. But I like them to think I might sometime. <laughs> so they let me be. I'll tell you somebody else that knows you. God knows you. And He loves you. And He gave His Son for you. And if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He will lift you up in due season. Not when you think that you're ready and should be promoted. It's not for you to decide, because pride will say, right now, I'm ready. No, He does it. When he sees that you can be put in that position and not fall into pride. That you can stay humble and keep dependent on him. 
I've seen too many shipwrecked lives. 43 years in ministry, I don't just have biblical knowledge. I have experience personally with God and with people. And anybody who tries to convince me of their spirituality, they need to grow up. Because if you're truly a man or woman of God, God's leading you, you do not have to identify yourself. It'll speak for itself. And one thing that will mark you is humility. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord, who though he thought it not robbery to be called what no other person could ever be called, equal with God. He humbled himself. And none of the rest of it would flow without the humility. Nothing else would occur from there on without humility. And took on himself the form of a servant. I look for humility and I look for a servant heart. You know, it's hard to find a pastor today. There are very few pastors left. We got prophets all over the place. Amen. But not very many pastors left. Because pastor just isn't high enough. I believe there are prophets around. They got a prophet the other day. Prophet so-and-so was his title. Had a scheme. Robbing Macy's warehouse. They arrested him and his church brother. He's in jail now. I guess he's prophesying in prison. But if he was in a pulpit, he would want to be presented as Prophet Jones or Jack or whoever. Had a man come to our church, was an apostle. How do you know? He had a card. He had a card. He had a business card, Larry. Guess what it said? It said, apostle, so-and-so, so-and-so. You know, there's a scripture where Jesus commended the church in the book of Revelation. So it said, you have tried them that said they are apostles and found them to be liars. So you're going to need a lot more than a business card. Amen. We got apostles, we got prophets, we got bishops, and we got archbishops. They introduced me at a pastor meeting where I spoke to pastors and introduced our church, and they got our name wrong. I told you about this. They put it up on a big screen behind me. And it said, Pastor Robert A. Venable, so they'd know who I was when they announced me, from the Most Holy Church of God. And I had to do a disclaimer before I said another word. I said, I am indeed Pastor Robert Venable. But our church is not called the Most Holy Church of God. We're just the Holy Church of God. In fact, we're still working on that holy part. Can you, we're under construction. I, I, don't, I don't even know how you get above holy. I, that's somewhere up there in the stratosphere. Amen? So we got, see, that's why when we come together as pastors, Brother Larry, when we meet together, we have been for about five or six years now, 
You can't be an apostle and, and come sit with us. I mean, you can be one, but you can't. You've got to come as John. If your name is John, we're going to deal with John. Not Apostle John. Or Prophet John. Or Bishop John. Or Archbishop John. Or even Pastor John. I love what the... What, what, one of the guys that leads this organization, I love what Brother Paul said. He'll have to come speak to you sometimes. He asked a pastor in the congregation in that day. He said, he said... Do you have any children? He said, yes, I got, a, I got an infant son and I got a six-year-old daughter. He said, when you come home from church, you're done with your day and you come home to eat dinner with your family, how does your daughter greet you? What does she say to her mama when you come in the front door? Mama, pastor is home. Mama, the prophet is here. He already knows what we're having for dinner. No need to tell him. Mama, the apostle is here. The archbishop is here. No. Daddy's home. If you're a Christian preacher, minister, God wants you to be a good daddy. God wants you to be a good husband. God wants you to be a good friend to the people you associate with. If, you, if you're bivocational, God wants you to be a good worker. We can't help each other unless we drop all the titles and we get down to where we truly live. Inside that suit, behind that collar, there's a man. Just like you and just like me. Can you say man? And that man has weaknesses and strengths. And that man, whoever he is, needs God desperately every day of his life. Can you say man? And I love to hear when a preacher like Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. I'm not going to keep it in the dark and keep it a secret of the trouble we experienced in Asia. How we were. Now this is what you're not supposed to say. And this is never supposed to happen to you. Because Superman don't need no plane. The trouble we experienced in Asia. How we. Him and the rest of them. Were pressed. Beyond measure. We have a limit. In our emotions. And we. Despaired. Of life itself. That's deep depression. He didn't stay there long. But he got into that place. I've got to close with this. And I mean it. I am going to close. But this is important today. Because this is seeped into the body of Christ. And it's making people with problems feel like they can't expect anything from God. And we've got to do a better job of communicating the kind of faith that God is going to honor. I love that song. That old camp meeting hymn. Just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Hallelujah. He will hear your faintest cry. And He will answer by and by. Hallelujah. 
Will he hear the cry of someone desperate in need and desperate for help? Will he hear from someone that's weak and their faith has been shaken and their emotions are are just up and down? and, And will he still reach way down for you? Does he have that kind of mercy, that kind of compassion? Is he that kind of God? And when you really humbly, truly depend on him, will he call it great faith? Did he call it great faith? Then why don't we listen to him instead of them? Who's influencing you? Whose tapes are you listening to? What are you trying to be? What kind of mind is in you? I want to be like Him. I want to be like them. Or I want to be like Jesus Christ. Amen? I've been where nobody could reach me but Him. So I'm not impressed with anybody but Him. Except those who humbly follow Him. Can you say amen? If you're not humbly following Him... I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care if 100,000 people are following you. And you lay in a hospital on your back and you're between heaven and earth. It's not going to do you a bit of good. You better know him. And you better know him in a trust relationship. And the wonderful thing about a trust relationship, you can trust him to take your leave. And either one will be just fine. That kind of peace comes and envelops you. I told my wife, I said, honey... In other words, I couldn't hardly talk because when I went to the hospital, my vocal cords were kind of half paralyzed. I couldn't hardly breathe, and my, my face on this side was paralyzed. This arm was completely gone. It was cold. It was like a dead piece of meat. My legs went out from under me. And I hit the floor. The paramedic said, Let us help. Can you help us help you up? And I said, I can't. They had to physically pick me up and bring in the gurney and take me out to the ambulance and laying there in the hospital his peace just enveloped me just came all over me and i told my wife who got there after the ambulance i said honey if i'm going to be a burden to anybody it's okay i just soon go right on home and i could have went right on home because i had the peace to stay or to go didn't you wonder who was going to take care of your wife? And, and I've got a son that is kind of autistic, and I have to do a whole lot for him. No. No, because I knew the God that was holding me could take care of them somehow, some way. Hallelujah. Amen. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Hallelujah. But God decided because of intercessory prayer and because of His eternal purpose, He decided to heal me in three days and raise me up without a symptom. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 And the nurse in the elevator said, I've seen this many, many, many times. And I want to tell you, sir, you are a miracle. Hallelujah. And I said, God did it. God did it. God did it. And He did it for a man that couldn't do nothing for himself but trust in that God. Hallelujah. So today I'm not impressed with all of the... Some sermons. You should bring bread and mustard to hear it. Bring some fresh bread, some mustard, and mayonnaise. Go ahead and bring some lettuce and pickles and a slice of tomato. Because you're going to get a lot of bologna. Can you say amen? Amen? Yeah, don't bring a Bible. Bring bread, mustard, pickles, relish, whatever you like on your sandwich. Because the bologna is going to be fully served. 
And honey, I don't want no phony baloney. I don't want some space cadet that doesn't live in this world. I want someone with their feet planted on the ground, their faith planted in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to talk to me? Hallelujah. I want somebody that's been deep in the valley and the Lord has lifted them up. And they're humble enough to give him all the glory and take none for themselves. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Brother Hobbs, I'm glad I know him. I'm glad I know him. I'm glad I know him. I'm glad that I know him today. Glory to God like I would have never knew him unless I'd went through that deep dark valley. Hallelujah. In the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Now therefore, now you are the sons of God. Right here, right now if you're a Christian. Now therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ who are walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was then. This is now. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. We've got a lot further to go in this, but the first thing we want to deal with is a faith that honors God so much that God honors the person who has that kind of faith by saying to that person, Great is thy faith. And I haven't found faith like this. No, not in all of Israel. And in both cases, it was humble dependency. Can you agree with that today? If that's how Jesus judges what is great faith, don't you think we've got to get our eyes off of people representing it without humble dependency? Would you agree with that today? You don't have to. I'm going to preach it anyway. Amen? You don't have to agree with me. Because I've got the Word of God to back it up. We're in a generation full of pride-filled preachers who don't know nothing about the basin or the bowl. They don't know how to minister to people where they hurt because they minister from a pedestal. They minister from a penthouse. One man came to minister to us. I never wanted to hear him again. Ain't going to listen to him anymore. You say, don't you forgive? Sure. But I don't listen to false doctrine. That's not about forgiveness. He said a woman came to me after a service and said, and he was actually an evangelist at that time. He said a woman came to me after the service and said, I have this need. And she was weeping. And he said, I've got a tape in the back on that. It costs $9.95. That's all it's going to cost. said, if you'll buy that tape, it'll tell you everything you need to know about your problem. Next case. In other words, I ain't got time to fool with you. If you're not going to spend nine ninety five and get my tape, I ain't got a prayer for you. I ain't got time for you. And I thought, you know something, brother? I ain't got no time for you. I'm not going to sit and listen to somebody that, don't, that is unchristlike, that has no compassion. 
that's only selling your tape, which is really selling yourself to meet your budget. Oh, no, you can't talk to me unless you follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Brother Benable, what about someone has a vision or dream? That's subjective. That's between you and God. I don't have to listen to you. Amen. I'm not, in fact, I'm obligated to check you out. I'm obligated. I'm responsible to see where you're coming from, not just what you say that you saw. Amen. Amen. I require that you follow Christ. What about that great anointing? What about Samson's? Amen. The anointing didn't carry him through all that. People trying to dominate using their titles, their visions, their dreams. What they really want to do is control other people to make themselves feel high and lifted up. There's no place for that in the kingdom of God. So I tried this apostle, found him to be a liar. I found out where he went to church before he ended up at our church. And he was under discipline from another church because he caused us trouble. And he was outside that church before he left trying to get God to curse it like Balaam. We had a witch used to sit in the back, a confessed witch. Some people used to go to McDonald's after the service and they heard her tell another woman, I go to Brother Venable's church, I'm putting a curse on him. I know you want to know if it worked or not. I know you're just hanging. I know you're waiting with bated breath. Did you survive that, Brother Venable? Did you make it through? If you dig one ditch, you better dig two. Because one of those ditches is going to be for you, darling. You can't curse what God has blessed. You can disagree with it. You can criticize it. But there's something you can't do. You can't curse it. Because every time you go to curse it like Balaam, only blessings are going to come out. God is going to grab a hold of your tongue. He's going to bless His people in spite of anybody's cursing. Can you say, man, I want to declare to you, I am well defended and I am highly favored and I am wonderfully blessed today. Hallelujah. 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 Because I have a great and gracious God that is taking good care of me. Oh! Will you stand to your feet today? Let's give Him some praise in this place. How many got enough faith to be humbly dependent on God today? How many believe that you qualify for His strength? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me finish that scripture. We don't want to leave you in the lurch today. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you weak enough to qualify for grace, mercy, and strength? Then Paul said, I can do all things. He said, this overwhelmed me. This overcome. We were pressed beyond measure, despaired of life, that we not, not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. He said, God brought us out. God brought us through. And when He came through it, He said, I can do 
all things one way and one way only through Christ which strengtheneth me. And when I am weak, then am I made strong. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want every person in this room that knows Christ as your Savior to feel highly qualified to come boldly before the throne of grace. To obtain grace and mercy to help in the time of any need. And that God is going to respond to you because He loves you. His eyes on the sparrow, I know. Remember the lady that made that song so popular beyond even the Christian realm? She was a big lady. Wonderfully large, beautiful lady. And she used to come out. You know who I'm talking about. I do too. But she used to come out. And when she finished that song, she'd say, God. Ethel Walters, probably. Yeah. When she'd get through singing his eyes on the sparrow, I know he's watching me. She'd come out and she would say, Ethel Walters. He said, then she'd look up to heaven and say, his eye is on this big fat sparrow. (laughs) Amen. I know he's watching me. Praise God. I know he's watching me. Praise God. Well, his eyes on this little short preacher this morning. And I know he's watching me. Can you say amen? Let's lift him up today. Just give him praise in this room. If there's anybody here that needs Jesus come at this time the altars are open but right now let's just give him praise once again how many people are going to look to god in the time of your trouble when you feel weak when you feel overwhelmed you're going to just look to him anyway he's going to hear your faintest cry make him your source he'll become your shield your glory